Hello, everybody, and welcome to the AMPM podcast. My name is Manny Coates, and I will be your host. And this is the show where we discuss all things Amazon private label and how to generate recurring revenue streams 24 hours per day during the AM and the PM, hence the name of the show. Get it? AM, PM podcast. As a matter of fact, I was trying out Tabatas with ghee. And please look up burpee Tabatas if you don't know what those are. And the whole time I was doing these things, damn near killing myself with the most intense exercise I've ever done, I was making money. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. Hey guys, Manny Coates here, and I am back with Kevin King. Kevin, how are you doing? I'm good, man. Glad to be here again. Yep, and we're going to be doing part two of the series we just did. I guess it would be a, uh, oh, I don't know what the title of this is going to be just yet, but um, Beginner 101, Amazon 101 is going to be something cool. You're answering a lot of questions. Let me pull up my notes, guys, because we got interrupted on the last one. Kevin uh, lives in some kind of third world country where internet is very rare, apparently. Yeah, I had to go. I had to go pay the guy some uh, some you know, tell me to run on the treadmill to get a little bit more electricity. You know, I had to give him. He was he was thirsty. I had to give him a glass of water. So he's he's back running again. There you go. All right, cool. So the last question I asked you before we <coughs> excuse me before we uh, we the, the internet broke us apart is uh, I think we were talking about advertising, and I said, you know, do you think? Uh, people should be advertising when they first launch a product. And in a, a pretty nice way, you said they'd be silly if they were not advertising, <laughs> something like that. Uh, why don't we start with that? You think it's super critical, super important for them to be advertising when you're launching your, your product, right? Yeah. You don't necessarily have to do a manual campaign. I mean, you can, if you want, you know, from the research you've done, but at a better minimum, you got to do an auto. And like, I, I think, I don't know what I was I said uh, in the last episode, but I start my autos with a, about a $5 bid. And I just, uh, I put about a $500 budget on it. That's just what I budget. Cause I want to know straight from the horse's mouth, what works and what doesn't. And there's no other way to get this information than to run sponsored ads. And so once you've run, uh, an auto campaign for at least a week at a high budget, then you can dial it back. You can start doing negative uh, keywords, but you're going to have a good idea. Number one, you're going to validate that your product is in the right category and that Amazon understands it or it doesn't. If you're not showing up for keywords that you think you should be, then you get got to investigate and see what's going on there. Why are you not, is that keyword missing? Is that, uh, is, is, are you in the wrong category and Amazon doesn't consider it relevant, whatever. Uh, then you need to find out what converts and what doesn't, what are you making sales on? Because sometimes what you think you go after these big high value keywords that have lots of searches and that night may not be what people are buying your product on. So you need to kind of refocus your efforts. And sometimes, uh, you know, putting together five, 10 of these lower lying keywords, you know, the ones that aren't the big gold ones can add up to more, to just as much or more than if you go after one of those big ones. And you, the only way you're gonna know that is by running sponsored ads. And then once I've got that data, I'll dial that back and I might start running some manual campaigns to test stuff. And then I, I might I always keep my auto campaign running. Uh, I'll, I'll dial it way back to a low, much lower bid. Uh, and I might negative out some stuff that, you know, is costing me money. Uh, but I keep it running because you just never know, you know, some new word's going to pop up or some, some new discovery is going to come. And as long as that a cost stay, stays down, um, you know, below 20% or so, um, I keep running them. 
Yeah. And for those of you that don't know the difference between automatic and manual campaigns, manual campaign allows you to pick the keywords that you want to advertise on. The automatic, which Kevin's talking about, means Amazon's going to figure out on its own based off of all its data points, what keywords it thinks your product should pop up on. And sometimes it's weird. I think they're, you can tell they're testing because I've had a product that was a gift for women. You know, it was more a, a kind of an aromatherapy type of a product. And it got linked up with some kind of a bong or I don't know, some glass, something or other. And so there was some kind of correlation that, uh, that it was seeing, but I remember getting a sale off of that. I'm like, Oh, someone's looking for some kind of marijuana bong and they ended up buying this product. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know that I would bid on that, but it was interesting to see the keywords that were coming up. Let me ask you, Kevin, what, um, what, uh, the other thing you could do in this auto campaign before you move off of that, Manny, uh -huh. And sometimes you can get other product ideas because maybe, you know, I used to sell a, a tortilla press and I saw, uh, I sold for the first year I was selling on Amazon, I sold a, tort a tortilla press. Um, and in, inside that, those keywords, I started seeing the word crepe maker quite a bit coming up in my automatic campaigns. I'm like, crepe maker, that's, that has nothing to do with tortilla press, but Amazon put those two together. And then I was like, look, there's a lot of searches coming through, a lot of search volume on crepe maker. Let me go take a look at the crepe maker space and see maybe there's an opportunity there. I could, and sure enough, there was. So I launched a crepe maker. I got data that way. Um, uh, that I could use to launch my next product. So there, there, it's more than just, it's, it's very valuable. So you got to do it. Okay. Do you have a formula or how do you set your bids? Like how do you, how does somebody that's new know what they're going to bid on a specific keyword phrase? Well, Amazon will make a suggestion and then they'll give you a range. And so when I first start, I bid super high on that automatic campaign. Cause I wanted, I want to get data fast. I, I, I'm not trying to get, I don't care if I lose money. It's basically a $500 marketing expense. And I, I need to know what works and what doesn't. So I, I'll spend a lot of money on that initial one. And then after that, I'll dial it back to either my break, something below my break even. Uh, the A cost is basically a percentage of whatever it costs you to advertise versus what you're selling it for. So you have to know your margins and I'll set it below that break even point. Or I might run, give a test with what am, if I'm doing a manual campaign, I might, whatever Amazon says is the medium. You know, they say the range is this, we suggest this. I might go like 10 cents above that and test that uh, and then see what happens from there. Okay. So an ACOS, you want to explain that to people who are just starting out? I remember that was one of the things when I first started, I'm like, what the heck is an ACOS, an ACOS? An ACOS is, it stands for advertising cost of sale. So that basically it's, it's whatever it costs you to get a sale divided by what the product sells for. So if, if your item is, a, it's a, uh, for simplicity, if it's a $10 uh, item and it costs, costs you $10 to make a sale, $10 in advertising spend to make a sale, that's 100% A cost. Um, so you have to know your number. So if that $10 item that you're selling, let's say you're buying it for two bucks from China, or say if you're buying it for a dollar from China, Amazon has their fees, you know, for to pick and pack and ship and, and so forth. Let's say those add up to three or four, say they add up to $4. So your real cost on this product is about five bucks. And so you're making a $5 in theory, a $5 profit on each one. So that means if you want to run advertising to break even, you, you need to, an A cost of 50% or less because you have $5 out of 10 is your profit. So if you want to break even on the sale, you need your A cost to stay at 50% or less in this particular example. Um, now you like to have that lower. So you like to have that A cost like at 20% because if that means your A cost is at 20% in this particular example, it costs you $2 to make a $10 sale. So you have your $5 that you, it costs you to 
buy the product from China for all the Amazon fees, $2 in advertising. You add those together at $7, you got 10, you made a $3 profit. So that's where you run it profitably. So that's how you calculate the A cost. It's based on, on how much it costs you to make a sale divided by what you're selling the, price, the item for. Okay. Now, sometimes you might want your A cost to be higher. You might don't, you don't care if it's 120 or 150%, which means you're spending more on advertising than you're getting your, than the item costs. But sometimes mm-hmm. you have to do that just to get positioning or to get rank or something. So it depends on your strategy. Yeah. If you guys are a little bit more advanced, if you're not absolutely a beginner, um, one of the ways that you can do what he just talked about, what Kevin just mentioned in regards to positioning is to bid very specifically on a keyword when you want that keyword to rank very high on the search results. And I'm not, we're not going to cover that because that's more of an advanced topic on how to rank on page one for keywords, but you can read all about it over at helium10.com forward slash CPR. Okay. As in, uh, you know, giving somebody life CPR, but that uh, there's a, a big write up on that. Um, Kevin, number of reviews. How many do people need to get started? Reviews are, reviews are critical. Obviously, when you first start, you're going to have zero. And you can make sales off of zero reviews, and people do all the time, but it's more difficult. So you, uh, you need uh, at least five reviews, really. I um, mean, you, you need to try to get to five. 21, people say, is like a magic point that becomes like socially acceptable. When you only have five and they're all five-star, people still have their doubts. It's not, it's not enough you know, but once you hit 21 and people tend to believe it a little bit more, I don't know why that number is what that number is, but some people have done studies and say it's 21 is the number. Obviously the more you have, you know, a product with 10,000 reviews, that's a four and a half star rating mm-hmm. versus a product that has 20 reviews. That's a five star rating. People are probably going to believe that the, the product with 10,000 reviews and a four and a half star rating is probably a better product because it's so many, you know, but so you need some reviews and, and you're going to have to get those reviews. If you're brand registered, Amazon will get those first five for you with a 60, you know, $60 fee, but you have the brand registered means you have a trademark that's already filed. And you know, most new people don't have that it takes seven, eight months to get that. Um, you're going to have to go out and try to get the reviews either from friends or family, from delivering a really good product from uh, if you're using the follow up email sequences or product inserts or, uh, one of the good ways is some of these launch services. Um, a lot of those people, even though it's not allowed to give a product in exchange for a review that changed in October of 2016, still a lot of the people that are that participate in these these launch services where you can buy a you know twenty dollar product for a dollar, they're conditioned and they almost feel obligated to leave a review. Uh, so a lot of times you'll just get them by default from that, and other times it's just get velocity. You know, it's a numbers game. You know, they have the, the number of people that will voluntarily leave a review on Amazon is pretty low. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's, it's a numbers game, but it's, it's, it is crucial to get those, but I would not start doing PPC or I would not just hold off on doing anything just because I have no zero reviews. I want to come out of the gate swinging and do the best I can. And the reviews will come with time. Perfect. All right. So let's go back to keywords. Um, I've always taught people, you know, you want to make sure your keyword, your main keyword phrases in your title. We've kind of gone through this uh, unless things have changed recently. The title is kind of trumps everything. The title is where you get the most juice out of putting your keyword anywhere. Um, if you, Kevin, have more than one important keyword, your main phrase, you know, let's say you got three or four different keywords that are just almost equally distributed in terms of what you think uh, generate sales. How would you do that? Would you put them all in your title? Would you keep them all exact phrase in your title? Would you mix them up? What do you do? 
Yeah, I would try to keep, I would try to get as many of them in my title as possible. Sometimes, you know, it might be, uh, you, you can group words together so you, they can kind of cross over, you know, it's kind of like playing Scrabble or something with, a, with, with your, with your words and your title. Um, but yeah, I would try to get as many into the title as possible and still make to have the title make sense. Um, typically I like to find about 10 to 20 different ways to skin the cat, 10, 10 or 20 different ways to sell my product, different entry ways. You know, if it's a, I don't know if it's a supplement. It might be uh, Garcinia Cambogia. And then another way is arth- arthritis relief or, you know, different ways to come into the product. And then I'll focus on what I think are the two, three, or four and put those in my title. And, and then I will run the, the, what we talked about earlier, the PP, automatic PPC to see if which ones of those are actually working. And maybe one of those, those keywords is just getting a lot of clicks, but no one's buying. Mm-hmm. So I'll remove that from the title and put it down my bullet points. And I might take one of those other ones and, and I in my keyword list and move it up into the title that is converting. Uh, because the title is the most important, by far the most important spot where you want to have the main keywords. And, and uh, you don't want to stuff it too full, uh, but you definitely want to have your top three or four in there. Yeah. And something that Kevin and I discovered a long time ago, this was back when super URLs were super popular and uh, you know, they, they've kind of, they've lost their effect unless you're doing something very specifically now, but we started noticing uh, you and I had this, this conversation one night. We're like, man, I noticed that my, these other keywords are also going up in the rank, you know, but I'm not really focused on those. I'm focused on this keyword. And we realized that everything in your title, essentially all your keywords, get a little juice, a little rank juice for every sale that you get, regardless of what keyword someone uses. Remember that Kevin, that conversation, yeah. mm-hmm. which was yeah. really cool. Do you want to talk yeah. about that real briefly? No, it's true. I mean, every time you make a sale, whatever's in your title will we'll definitely get a boost. I mean, you can influence what the sale is made off by using what's called a two-step URL. Um, but that's a little bit more advanced, but that but anything in your title will get lift. So if, if someone types in, uh, you know, if your title is frosty, frosty mug for, uh, for hunters, uh, you know, as if someone types in mug for hunters, that's going to get the most value uh, in Amazon's eyes and their algorithm, but also frosty mug is going to get a slight lift and, and everything in that title is going to get a little bump up and whatever they actually typed in and bought on, it's going to get the most lift. Yeah. So you definitely want to make sure your title is, is as concise and as accurate uh, and filled with as many of the main words that you're going after as possible. Even if they're not, I try to get the main ones in phrase order, but even if they're not in phrase order, that means they're in the exact order someone would type them in at least the words are in there. So Amazon can mix and match. Um, and, and that'll still give you some lift. Yeah. So if you have, for example, guys, if you have the word, uh, dog treat, uh, perfect size for bowls, right? The word dog in the beginning and the word bowls at the end will get combined by Amazon for dog bowls. And you'll get an actual increase in the search results positions for dog bowls, even though they're not together, as long as someone's buying and they're in your title. So yeah, it's really cool. Um, Kevin mentioned a two-step URL pretty, it's kind of advanced stuff here, guys, but it's for launches when you actually want your, that particular keyword phrase to be when someone types it in your products at the top. If you guys are at that level and you want to learn more, we did a a blog post on this. Um, It's over at helium10.com forward slash launch. And it's how I launched three new products last month, uh, generated six figures in profit on those products. Pretty interesting uh, write-up. So Kevin, um, we talked about images. We talked about getting your title uh, in place, where, where to put keywords and things. At what point do you say, all right, you know what, I'm, I'm going to make a change on my listing or I'm, I just have to leave it at this point? 
I typically make most of my changes within the first month because Amazon kind of gives you a grace period. If you start monkeying around with your listing a lot, once you've been selling for a while, it can actually hurt you. So typically they give you about a month period to monkey around with it. And, and after that, I have it kind of locked in. Now there might be a, a keyword. It's, I mean, when I first started, I used to analyze this. I was changing my listings daily, going in, changing, adding keyword. I was, but part of that, I was trying to reverse engineer what the hell Amazon, how this stuff worked. I don't recommend you do that. Um, I recommend you spend that first month to dial it, dial in the products, dial in, use the advertising, dial in, see what works, and then let just let it go. You know, you, you might come up with a new keyword here, or there. There might be some new tool that comes out at some point, and you'll go back and make a few changes. But after about a month, you need to be pretty much locked in so you can move on to the next product. And all you're doing at that point is is dealing with any customer service issues or reordering. Okay. So let's just say that I invested in Bitcoin two years ago and I bought something for a few hundred bucks and I cash in a portion of my Bitcoin. I now have $10,000 to launch my Amazon business, Kevin. Uh Out of that $10,000, would you cast a wide net, go after a bunch of products or would you focus on one product? Well, it depends on where I saw the opportunity, but uh, initially I would focus on one product. If you're brand new to this, don't try to launch a bunch of products at once. Do one and get your feet wet, learn the system, learn how to ship stuff in, learn how it works. And once you're comfortable with that, then expand. Now, some people will try to find that one home run. I, I, some of these products, you know, I, I put a baseball analogy. You know, you have doubles, singles, triples, home runs, bunts. You don't need to have a home run. A home run is a product selling 1,000 units a day or something like that. It's just something crazy, like one of the, the supplements or something. Uh, but there's nothing wrong with having singles. You can, singles are sell five or 10 units a day. And so you can make a really good business on Amazon by having a, mul- a wide range of products that sell five to 10 units a day. Uh, you, and you'll have less competition in most cases. You'll have less people trying to knock you off or jump on your listing or steal your buy box. You'll have less hassles of people reporting you for this or that or giving you negative reviews. Um, I like to stay under the radar. Most of my products don't have a, a BSR. BSR stands for bestseller rank on Amazon. Uh, the lower the number, the more you sell. Uh, I don't like anything. You know, my products, it scares me sometimes when they get uh, below 2,000, 3,000. You know, it's great. I like, I like the money it makes, but it's like, man, I've just become a target. And it's just going to open up a whole new series of, of problems. So I like to stay in that five to 10,000 range BSR, which in most categories is selling, you know, 10 to 15 units a day. Uh, and I'm totally happy with that. Uh, and I have hardly any issues or any problems and, um, it's, it's great. So that's, that's what I would recommend. Once you launch the first one, then just try to go wide. Uh, don't try to just hit to have that one or two products that that are going to make you all your money because then the other problem is if you have a problem, if, if a lot of the comp- competition comes in, the price gets lowered, Amazon has a problem with the product, you get a lot of returns, your business is dead overnight versus if you have a wide range of products. If one goes down, uh, the rest are carrying the weight. Yeah. You saw this happen with fidget spinners not too long ago where it was a hot, hot market. People put all of their money into ordering containers full of these things. And they went from $19 down to like 80 cents in just months. It was fast. It was like the fastest yeah. I've ever seen something just kind of com- completely collapse. So, all right. So you, you go after 10 or products that can sell 10 to 15 units a day. Maybe you have 10 or 15 of these products. So they all, um, they, they all add to a pretty big sales day. I mean, let's look at it this way. If you, if you're selling, if your average selling price is $25 on Amazon, you know, some products are 10 and some products are 30, but if you're, if you're in your portfolio of 10 or 20 products, your average price is $25. All you need to do is sell about 110 units a day and you have a million dollar business. 
Mm. So you sell about 110 units a day with an average price of $25 on Amazon. Now that 110, if you got 10 products, you get 10 different products selling 10 each. That's a, that's a million dollar business. Uh, and, and something like only about uh, 4.7%, I just saw this stat of sellers on Amazon uh, have a million dollar business, you know? So you want to, that's the upper echelon. It's not hard to do, but people overcomplicate it. They start chasing, thinking they got to have that home run product or they get distracted with like, I, I was guilty of this in the beginning. I was like, okay, I got some products. I need to go run a bunch of Facebook. I need to go build a Shopify site. I need to sell on Walmart. I need to do this and that. Screw all that shit you're wasting your freaking time. Don't mess with it. Just, I mean, maybe use Facebook if you need to launch something or you have an audience there or whatever. I mean, there's some, some valid reasons to use it, but don't chase all these shiny objects and all these hacks. It's a very simply simple business. If you just focus on it and rinse and repeat, launch one, rinse and repeat, launch one, rinse and repeat. And you can be very, very successful. Uh, and are and you the, recommending just to focus on Amazon at this point? Focus, focus on Amazon solely. I mean, if you want to expand, I recommend, I mean, some people are like, well, what if Amazon shuts my account down? I have all my eggs in one basket. That is the risk. But if you play by the rules and, and you keep your nose clean, you're going to be fine. And I would recommend at this point, rather than going to Walmart or rather than setting up your own Shopify site or what, you know, some people out there preach, you need to build a brand. You need to go build an audience on Facebook and try to make them your own customers. And let's get, let's get them to start buying on Shopify for most of us that are selling, that's a, that's a long process. It's a very expensive process and I don't recommend it at all. Um, there's people that are buying Amazon businesses that only sell on Amazon. Some people say, well, if you're off Amazon, it, it increases the value of your business. Yeah, but build your business on Amazon until you can't build it anymore until you've maxed it. Then worry about the other stuff. Um, if you're going to expand, expand to other Amazon markets, master the U S if that's where you're starting, then, okay, let me ship, ship my stuff to Canada. Cause it's super easy. If you're a U.S. seller to send to Canada, if you're not selling in Canada as a U.S. seller, you're missing a major opportunity to add five to 10% to your sales overnight. And another uh, few percentage points too. If you want to go off to eBay, you can use Joe Lister. You, you were the one that told me about that. You're yeah. really not selling off of Amazon. It's all still going through Amazon, but you're getting eBay sales, right? And it takes yeah, like 10 can. minutes. Yeah, you can use a program like Joe Lister that will put your product on eBay. And then when someone orders, it will tell Amazon to ship it. Amazon sends the tracking number. It's totally hands off. Uh, you know, that's, it's not a lot of money. That's a little bit, but then expand to Europe or expand to other places. That's what I recommend people do is master Amazon and take advantage of their vast network. I mean, something like, what was it? I just saw 40, uh, 47 you know, e-commerce in the U.S. right now is about 9% of all retail sales when you take out gas and, and stuff. Uh, but Amazon, I think this last holiday season, controlled like 47% of it. Hmm. So why waste your time? You know, you, there's, there's all these other courses and you see them in your Facebook feed. Build your own Shopify site. Build your own drop shipping. Build your own this and that. Own the customer. Own the brand. Don't worry about that right now. Uh, yeah. Just focus on finding products on Amazon that you can sell, you can differentiate and grow it that way. And then once you're, you're doing okay a few years down the road, then you can worry about some of the other stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And guys, if you're just tuning in, if this is your, you didn't see part one, we're speaking with Kevin King and uh, he's the guy that put together the amazing freedomticket.com uh, training course. It's different than, uh, than anything that's out there. As you can see from what he's talking about, he, uh, he, he, he goes uh, down a different path and uh, he's a seven figure seller. He mentors uh, big, big guys. He, he's a mentor at the Illuminati mastermind, uh, collectively over 300 million, probably 400 million at this point in terms of, uh, 
uh, monthly, or sorry, annual sales. Um, so this guy really knows what he's talking about. He's the guy I go to um, when I have questions about things. So uh, Kevin, you mentioned going out and getting, let's say 10 products that each can sell 10 units. Would you go with one supplier that can provide all of this or does that not matter? That makes it easier. If you can find a supplier, I mean, if you have a good supplier and a good relationship, uh, yeah, I'd ask them for their catalog. What else do you have? Uh, and see if there's something else in there. Cause that's just, you can consolidate shipments. You can maybe negotiate better prices. If you can do that. Yeah, that's, that's, that's great. But I wouldn't limit myself to that. How many brands would you recommend going after? when you're creating an actual brand on Amazon, forget about trademarking at the, at the point at this time, but let's say, uh, would, would you try to keep everything under one brand name? If you can keep it under one brand name, it's, if your goal is to sell, it's going to make it a little bit easier. But if you're going to have a second brand name, you have the choice of getting Amazon's permission to open another account uh, and, and do it under there if you want to keep it clean. Uh, or a lot of people, they run multiple brand names under the same seller account. Okay. Um, it, it's up to you. Um, uh, it's just from a bookkeeping point of view or a, a selling point of view down the road. Maybe, you know, if you have a beauty brand, someone might want to buy that, but they don't care about your dog brand. Okay. Uh, so, so if they're separated, it can be better. I've seen a lot of people post uh, photos in our group showing their boxes coming from China, completely crushed. Everything's the corners are squished in products are damaged inside. I never hear you talking about damaged products when you get your stuff. Are you doing anything special? Are you talking to your suppliers or doing anything that keeps that from happening to you? Yeah, what I do is I actually I insist in the in the pro forma invoice. We talked about this in the last uh, in part one, I guess. I insist on there that they put them in a, at least a a five wall uh, outer master carton. And sometimes they'll charge me a little bit extra for that, but those are much thicker outer cartons. And I actually tell them I want corner protectors. They're like little sleeves that go in the corners. Sometimes they're styrofoam. Sometimes they're they're cardboard that go in the corners uh, of each. And then my inspection company, I tell them to drop the package from one meter high or three feet high. So they go in there and they literally hold up the package and just drop it to the floor and see what happens. Mm. The factories hate that. Sometimes the factory will say, no, you may not drop it. And, if, and that's that right there is I will fail the inspection if they don't let them drop it. It pisses them off. Yeah, like, no, no, you're going to drop it. You're going to damage something. And yeah, that's the exact point. Because if when you bring stuff over from China, if it's coming by air or sea, you know, if it's, even if it's in your own container, most of it's usually not palletized because pallets take space in there. And so it's the things are just chunked. And then they go through, you know, in the U.S., they get chunked. They get thrown all over the place. Uh, you know, and, and you got to protect the stuff. Um, and that's the other reason I ask for extra boxes too. You know, flat, they come flat. Sometimes I use those for returns, but other times, inevitably, even if you do all these steps, something somewhere along the way, someone's going to slash a knife through it or it got stuck on a corner of a container and snagged it or whatever, you might have a couple damages and that way you can replace them. Okay. Packaging. We haven't talked about that yet uh, in detail. Um, I think a lot of people underestimate the, the power of packaging, right? Your, your photographs showing it. Uh, you've got a great, uh, if, if you don't mind me, uh, asking you to kind of share your story about your, your dog treats and how awesome your packaging was compared to everybody else. And, and I, I'll just let you tell it. Yeah. It's a, you got the, the, a good story here. Yeah. A lot of times people just, they chimp, they, they, they go cheap on their packaging, put it in a plastic bag cause that's what the cheapest way is. Uh, but sometimes packaging can make a huge difference. Um, and it's another way to differentiate. We talked about earlier, uh, how to, how to make your photos stand out on, on the page and turn it at an angle or fill the whole thing or, worry about the colors or whatever but another way is with a really cool looking package because you can show the package closed or open in your photo with the product and that can make you stand out too and it can 
people, you know, think of yourself when you go into the store and you're looking at, uh, at the packaging, you know, especially like olive oils, for example, sometimes you'll, if you need to get some olive oil, you might buy that olive oil because the box, the, the bottle looks cool. Uh, you know, instead of just buying the simple house brand, that, oh, look at this one. It must be cool. It's in a fancy bottle with all these markings and stuff. This must be from some nice estate or whatever. It's the same damn shit that's in the $2 bottle, but you just paid 20 bucks for it. Uh, so packaging can make a huge difference. So I, I used to, I sell bully, uh, one of my products is bully sticks, dog treats, bully sticks. And everybody's selling bully sticks and they're putting 30 sticks or something in a, in a, in a, in a bag, uh, in a, you know, plastic bag or something and sell them for whatever, 25, 30 bucks. And it's highly competitive, highly, highly competitive because it's a, it's a high, high demand product on Amazon. So when I went into it, I was like, how can I compete here? I'm not going to, to compete, I'm going to have to give away a ton of these things. Um, and so how can I compete? So I said, okay, I'm going to have ones that are made in the USA, number one, because that's a big complaint with people saying these this meat's coming from Brazil or Argentina, which is not bad meat. Uh, but some people just have this perception that anything outside the U S is bad. So I'm like, make it in the USA. And I found, so I, I searched everywhere and I found this supplier. That's like a French chef. He, he cooks these bully sticks, bully sticks or, or dog or bull penises, by the way. So if you don't know what a bully stick is, it's a penis of a bull. Um, and so a lot of people don't realize that it's, it's a byproduct of the cow. And so they, they, I up this basically. Um, and so the, I, I found a guy who's like a French chef and he like, he, he makes these bully sticks and like he cooks them in a French chef way and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I can differentiate on that because people care about what they feed their dog. They want to give their dog the best. So I created a product and I created, I even created cartoons. And one of my images was a cartoon that I had drawn off of Upwork and showed here's some dogs in a, in a car going through a fast food restaurant and getting some little cheap cheap bully sticks and over here here's some dogs sitting in a steakhouse eating this really nice quality bully stick and i was the the tagline was like which would which would you like rather feed your dog fast food or you know a quality restaurant and so some humans identify with that i'm getting into the market the psyche of the buyer dog doesn't care dog will eat either one but the human cares and so to differentiate this <clears throat> i took my bully sticks and i'll most people remember are selling like 30 in a package i sell three they're a little bit bigger. Uh, they're made in the USA and I sell three. These other guys selling 30 in a package for 25 to 30 bucks. I sell my three for $50. And I put them in a, like a cigar box. I put them in a nice little cigar box and they're nicely laid with a night. I had a label made that's got a little texture on the label. So when you, you see it, you like, it feels kind of like a, a nice, uh, you know, Tiffany's box or whatever it may be. <clears throat> and that's how I sold them. Now, was I the best seller? Absolutely not. You know, was I, but I was in the five, six, 7,000 BSR range, which is selling 10, 15 a day. The other guy, you know, they're selling 50 a day or, or more, but their margins are a lot lower and, and I could compete. So I put this up there and I got to page one and some of the other bully stick companies saw this and like, no freaking way. This guy is selling three sticks for 50 bucks. That's, that's impossible. And they actually reached out you know, after they saw I was staying, they actually reached out to me and say, what the hell, dude, we, we got to talk, you know, we have some other products that you should be selling. You know, if you can do that with your marketing, um, let's talk. Um, so that, that's, that's another way to approach this business is, is, it's not always, uh, there's a lot of people on Amazon that have money and they're willing to spend money. It's not always about the best price. Price is important for a lot of people, but there is a subset on Amazon where they're looking for quality and they're willing to pay for it. Yeah. And that, that packaging, it might cost, you know, that box, that cigar box cost me a dollar. 
versus a plastic bag would have been five cents or something. But that dollar allowed, you know, allowed me to give the perceived value to sell it for significantly more. So perceived value, especially around Christmas time, uh, can make a huge, huge difference in what you can charge for a product. So a $1 package, a uh, nice package can mean an extra $10 in profit per unit. Yeah, that's a great story. I love hearing that because it goes, I mean, you're making what, like six, over $16 per bully stick. Everybody else is making like a dollar maybe you know, just because you thought this whole thing through and, and now, I'm not selling as many. Uh, like I said, I'm not selling as many. My BS, people get stuck on BSR. A lot of new yeah. sellers are like, what's my BSR? What's my BSR? Who the fuck gives a shit what your BSR is? I care about what, what, what my, my, uh, what's the BSR of your bank account? <laughs> That's right. I care about my, uh, my DIP is. I care about what my dip is. I don't care about BSR. I care about dollars in pocket. It's right, my right. dip. So that's what matters. And, and people get confused and they get too hung up on their BSR, what their competitor's BSR is. And don't worry about that. Worry about what you're making, what money you're making. Cool. All right. Well, and I saw this with, uh, with some uh, gloves for Christmas and stuff. They were, people were selling these little cotton gloves, two, two pair, three pair, that kind of stuff. And they would just show them uh, another person. I was just crushing it. And what they did differently is they had, they showed an actual, like a gift box. And they actually shipped it because I, I ordered one of these things. They shipped it to Amazon in this gift box. And it looked kind of like a big cupcake type thing with the, the gloves inside of it, the way it was wrapped up. And people just identified it. They saw that. They, it was for Christmas, right? So they saw, oh, it's already wrapped. It's already a package. It's really cute. And it wasn't any better than any of the other stuff that was below it. But it was number one just because of the packaging. And they were the most expensive. So it goes to show. Yeah, don't, don't. I mean, sometimes packaging is not going to, you know, on a spatula, Packaging may not matter too much. You know, a spatula is a spatula is a spatula. Uh, but, you know, on a knife, you know, you have a cheap knife sets and you have nice knife sets. I mean, yeah. there's packaging is, is, is crucial. And, and Do you have a supplier? Do you have your supplier do your packaging or do you do that separately and then ship everything together to a place? I've like done both. Uh, in the case of the bully sticks, I found, because those were made here in the United States, I found a box company and had a custom box size made to fit the, the bully sticks. And I, I, so I, I did three different, I had the labels made in Colorado, uh, labels online or whatever it's called. So, cause they had the special paper. I had the, the, the boxes made uh, in uh, Brooklyn, New York, and then the, everything got shipped to the supplier and they pu put it all together for me uh, okay. at, at the factory that makes the bully sticks. But also in China, I, you know, sometimes I'll just let the factory do it. If when you're first starting out, you know, if you're not going to do fancy packaging and you're like this, if you're just going to do basic packaging, there's no need to go out and try to find your own packaging. Just let the factory do it. They might cost you an extra nickel or dime, but if you're just, it's your first product and you're not doing some fancy packaging, just let them do it for you. Okay. We could go on for hours and hours with all the new stuff that we could talk about. So I'm going to, I'm going to end with one last question here. Um, when somebody's starting out, um, they initially have to go out and order samples from all these different companies and then compare the products to make sure uh, they look good. At least that's how, that's one of the methods you can, you can use to, to do this. Um, when you're doing this, how many companies do you actually source from before you finally stop? Because uh, there could be a hundred companies, right? Before you stop and you actually choose something. Well, when I find a product, you know, based on the keywords in my research, I'm like, okay, I want to, I want to take a look at this product. I may launch it. I'll typically reach out to about 20 or so factories or sources. 
some of them will get eliminated right away because they don't answer me within 24 hours or their English is really bad or they don't answer the questions I ask. When I reach out to them, I, I number the questions because if you just write a big paragraph when you're reaching out to a supplier, they're just going to pick and choose. So I'll like question one, question two. And if they skip three of them, they're eliminated. Uh, so the ones that get back to me quickly and answer the questions, then I'll, I'll ask for samples from those. And so usually about five of them or so will end up making the cut and I'll get samples from roughly five. Those come in uh, and I'll take a look at it and see which, you know, which one I like the best, which quality I like the best. Sometimes I'll go back to them and say, Hey, I like what's in this sample. Can you, but I like your price and your quality better. Can you kind of do this? And, and a lot of times I can, and then I go from there. And then I also, also will order, you know, samples from, like you said, you order those gloves here in the U S you know, I will order samples from people already selling here in the U S and just to see what they're doing, you know, and see what their quality is and compare it to, to whatever it is I'm sourcing to see how the quality is to make sure that, uh, you know, if I, I do well, I'm not going to get a lot of negative reviews or something. That's one of the things guys that we do is we'll go out. If we have a product line that we want to go into, we've done all the research. We know that we can make money with something like that. We'll order all the products off of Amazon first, get them in, make sure they're exactly what we think. And we make sure that we photograph and video them in their packaging so we can see, you know, where they cellophane wrapped, where are they in a box, where they whatever, because we'll forget because there's so many products. And then we'll actually send these videos to the suppliers and say, you know, can you, you know, that we already know that they make this kind of product. Can you create this? Or do you have something like this? Um, there's ways that we've taught in Illuminati Mastermind how to actually find the actual suppliers of these guys very easily. Uh, so there's different ways you can do things, but um, yeah. Getting, That's a good point, man, because the Chinese, they don't, English is not their native language, even though you're often dealing with someone who's got a college degree and speaks English, but you can't describe, Hey, I want this to be red and have, and have a, a fringe on the edge. They, they are very visual. So if you can, like you said, order from your competition, say, Hey, I, w- I want it to look like this, but I want you to change it to look like the edge to look like the piece of this, show them that. And it'll, it'll make things a lot easier and a lot simpler for you. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and the point that you made earlier, this is super, super important guys. I do this as well. When you're talking to your Chinese supplier, do exactly what Kevin said, number all your questions. Because if you have 12 questions in there and they're not numbered, they're going to skip stuff. I guarantee you, I, I learned this probably in the first 30 days I was doing this business. I'm like, why is everybody skipping things? <laughs> as soon as I started numbering them, I could just come back and say, hey, you didn't answer number five and six. And then they'll come back and they'll answer. But by numbering them, it just, I, I guess visually, they, they answer them. It's a really, really cool tip. It's something, I don't even know if I've ever talked about that. But yeah, it's something that, that we do. So guys, uh, well, first of all, Kevin, thank you for coming. Uh, now on part number two, we've been doing this now for well over, I think an hour, hour and a half, a lot of content here. Uh, guys, Kevin, um, like I said, he uh, it just crushes it on Amazon. He's an entrepreneur in many, many different areas and different ways. He's a mentor to many people. He's got a really cool training. If you got to watch part one to get all the details, uh, but he's, uh, he's got really good training called, Actually, Kevin, do you want to, do you want to mention a little bit? Um, sure, yeah. To pitch this, uh, <laughs> this, this, uh, this training. Yeah, we, we have the, uh, I have the training that it's called the freedom ticket, freedomticket.com. There's a little webinar there that you can watch. Uh, and then there's a join button, but it's a uh, 21 hours, uh, 60 modules, uh, uh, and there's some bonus stuff of actual training on how to sell on Amazon. And it's different than all the other courses that are out there. I really teach you all the fundamentals and how to 
really have a mastery of this business. It's not a, it's not a magic formula of do one, two, three, four, five, and then you're done. Like everybody else teaches. The problem with that is about 90% of the people that take other courses that have this one, two, three, four, five formula, 90% of them never launch a product. Uh, so I want to give you the knowledge and the, the tools and the full understanding so that you can treat this like a real business and really go out there and, and, and do it right and have the best chance of success. So it comes with a money back guarantee. So if you, if you decide to do it, you know, after 30 days, you can do the, the you know, and you can say, hey, you know what, Kevin, you suck. I'm not learning anything. Cancel, get your money back. Uh, but there's a lot of over the shoulder stuff. Um, I show some of my real products, uh, so I'm not hiding stuff. Um, I do a weekly Q and a, uh, with me. It's not with some way in the office or somebody else that every Monday is a live Q and a, so you can come on and ask whatever questions you want. I answer every single question, uh, from everybody that's on those live Q and a's. Um, there's also replays available if you can't make those, uh, because I want to be a mentor, not an advisor. I want to help people succeed. And when you're first starting out, it's difficult. And there's a lot of questions and there's a lot of misinformation out there from people that either don't understand it or aren't really doing it. And so that's what the freedom ticket's all about. Um, and if, if you're looking, uh, uh, if you're already selling, you know, I have people that come in that are already selling 10, $20,000 a month and they're learning a lot of good stuff. And then people that are brand new uh, are taking it and uh, uh, they're, they're, the, the feedback is really positive. And uh, I think a lot of the students are doing very, very well. Great. So guys, freedomticket.com. Kevin's also in our uh, Facebook group, Okay, you can go to the FBA High Rollers group on Facebook. If uh, you don't, that doesn't pull up when you do a search, you can just go to ampmpodcast.com forward slash Facebook, and that'll take you there. And uh, you can also ask questions uh, to Kevin there. But yeah, it's, this guy is full of knowledge. I'm going to have him on a, a, a lot more regularly. We're going to go back to some basics. That's what a lot of people like. And hopefully this was, uh, it was cool. If you like this type of a, uh, uh, a format this episode, you know, where we're, we're doing this, uh, these longer, more, I guess, uh, uh, beginner type things, you know, that they, just going back to the basics, let us know, uh, post up a positive comment. Let us say, you know, just say, Hey, I like this, whether you're watching this on YouTube or it's on Facebook, share it, let people know. And, uh, yeah, we, we both appreciate you, uh, you know, taking time out of your busy schedule to watch this. So, uh, Kevin, again, once, uh, once again, thank you for coming on the show and, uh, yeah, keep on crushing buddy. You've been listening to the AMPM podcast hosted by Manny Coates. For more information, insider, insider tools, tools, and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit ampmpodcast.com.